You are now listening to the Curiosity Led Podcast. What's going on, guys? And welcome to the Curiosity Led Podcast, episode one. So this is really exciting. It's a long time coming, but I figured with the launch of the book right around the corner, uh, figuring uh, next month, right before Christmas, figured this was a good time to launch the podcast this way, give you guys an idea of, you know, who is curiosity led? What is it? What do we do? Uh, you'll hear, uh, you'll be introduced to some concepts within the book. We'll give you some practical, tactical tools to implement curiosity into your lives and into your leadership. Because folks, ultimately at the end of the day, it's not about having all the answers. It's about being able to ask really good questions of ourselves and of other people. But we can ask really good questions that begins to reveal things about ourselves to ourselves so ultimately we can focus on becoming better people so that we can serve at a higher level, become better leaders, better professionals, you know, uh, we could better serve our clients, serve our families, you know, and ultimately uh, get the most out of this uh, journey called life that we can. So with that, uh, let's start off by introducing Curiosity Led, what we do. Uh, so I don't know if I mentioned it before, but if I did, that's fine. My name is Emilio Soria, CEO of Curiosity Led. Uh, Curiosity Led is a strategic advisory firm. So we focus on a couple of areas. We help businesses basically implement, design, and develop uh, systems and processes so that they can be more equitable and get the very best out of their employees. So with strategic advisory, we focus on the areas of leadership organizational development and organizational psychology. And uh, right now we're focusing in the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But really we uh, do all areas of uh, organizational development, which includes learning and development, talent management, workforce planning, HR systems and processes, uh, organizational systems, and uh, much more. That's kind of who we are. Now, first and foremost, I should preface that by saying Curiosity Led is a research company. Ultimately, at the end of the day, all this work that we do is helping us gather data about industries across the world and use that data to make better informed decisions and uh, provide more clarity in the marketplace uh, in terms of organizational development, psychology, diver uh, organizational psychology, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and things like that. Now, aside from the strategic advisory, you know, we also do leadership development. We do uh, coaching. And um, again, we do uh, many levels of, of advisement as well. Uh, so that's a little bit about who we are. Now, the Curiosity-led book is um, has one sole focus. And the focus is to get you to understand the part that Curiosity currently plays in your leadership, in your organization, and in your life, and how you can harness the skill of curiosity that you already have and hone it. So again, we can begin to ask better questions and empower people to solve problems on their own. And that's ultimately what this is about. It's about empowerment. Um, you know, so the book is going to give you some practical insights on how to do that. And, uh, you know, we talk about a number of topics there. Um, so just to give you just a, a taste of what you can expect, we go into what curiosity does to the brain, you know, how to understand human nature in light of uh, curiosity, 
you know, what are the things we need to commit to? How to design the performance mechanics? Like, how do you design the behaviors that you need and actually implement them? You know, cultivating disagreement, dysfunction, a lot of those things. So we'll be touching on it as we move through uh, the episodes. So for today, what I thought would be a great way to kick this off was to give you a practical example, Some, uh, something that we've already worked through with a client, and this will kind of help to give you some understanding and a high-level outline of what you can expect from Curiosity Led. So in our debrief, after uh, going over some information with the client, we started looking at the personalities in the room, not in a Myers-Briggsy, enigramic kind of way, just just very basic, looking at the dynamics at play, what's important to people in terms of their beliefs and their values. And uh, there were three main avatars we saw, even though there were 19 different people, there were three main avatars at play in the conversation. Uh, now, this may change in the context, but I figure this is a good place to start. So we noticed that there were leaders who were more heart-centered, right? So you'll recognize these people right away. These are the ones who, if they get one piece of bad feedback, they want to go in, launch a study and make sure that everything is okay, right? Part of it may be because they want to be liked, but there's a strong sense that they don't want anybody to feel bad while working there. They want them to enjoy their experience, right? So these are your heart-centered leaders. You also have your balanced leaders, right? In this scenario. So people who play the fence, right? They're more the referee, try and take a balanced approach. They tend not to take a, a, a too hard of a stance. They may agree with certain points here or there, but their, their job or their focus is really about making sure that everybody has the opportunity to speak and share their ideas, right? So that's your balanced uh, kind of leader. Then you have your steamroller, right? You can recognize this person easily, they may hear something that um, you know may sound innocuous, that may sound like it's really a small deal. So they'll kind of just steamroll whatever they don't agree with just to keep the ball rolling, keep them on track, and keep the, the progress from stalling. Um, now, there are some others, you know, like a transformational leader and you know, other things like that. But for the sake of this conversation, we'll just keep it to those three. Right. So it, it's important that when you're in a meeting with several leaders like that or several, you know, several people in general like that. Right. You want to recognize who these avatars are and how they play together. And it, it's funny because um, the way to get consensus between these seemingly different points of view is to basically point them in one direction to uh, get them to a point of allyship with one another. So, so let's kind of dig into it a little bit. So in this scenario, uh, there was one employee who gave negative feedback out of, you know, uh, I would say a hundred plus others. And the leader that received that feedback, sure enough, they were the heart centered ones and they couldn't not say it. They just had to say it. And they wanted to get our feedback from an expert from an expert perspective and see uh, what they should do about it, how they should respond, because they just felt that they had to respond to it. So before we said anything, sure enough, the steamroller came in and said, you know, it's one person. I mean, what does that really matter in the grand scheme? That's one percent. Let's move with the ninety nine percent and just keep it keep it moving. Right. So almost like completely ignore what the person said and just keep pushing forward. 
Now, the balanced uh, avatar in this case, right? They said, well, well, let's let's hold on a minute. Let's hear let's hear it out. You know, let, let's um, hear the full situation because there may be other people that feel the same the same way. And then what happened is there was a, a, a cyclical conversation that started. And it became more about advocating. It became more about, well, somebody said it and they said other people feel the same way. And the steamroller said, yeah, well, that's still a small percentage. And even if they did put it in the data, right, like in the form or whatever that we had uh, that we had launched in the organization, it still wouldn't matter because it's such a small percentage. We need to go with the flow. Right. And it was this back and forth for a while. So when I came in and interrupted the conversation, there were a couple of things that immediately jumped out to me, right? So firstly, it was that there was an overemphasis on trying to be right rather than doing what's right. So what, what do I mean by that? Well, when in a situation like this, you have to exercise a uh, high amount of discipline to remain unbiased and equitable, to be open to the possibility that you may be wrong. But how do you do that? Well, you do that by asking a question and phrasing the response in a way that causes the listener to ask themselves better questions. So here's an example. The analogy that, um, or actually, let me backtrack a little before I get to the analogy. So uh, there was a way to bring them together in consensus. And the way to do that was to get them to commit to a decision. Committing to a decision meant not only asking themselves um, what's really important here, but also coming to a consensus that making a decision and standing by it is the best thing for their organization. It's the best thing for their culture, and it's the best thing to build trust with their employees, right? So taking that approach and, and coming from that perspective, we started asking the question, well, what's really important here? What is the decision that we need to make in order to create the, the most positive impact across the board and still continue to build on an already great culture? So once they were able to define that, then now we can handle some of the objections because now the objections are not in the form of statements like, like you got to believe me because I'm right. It's more in the form of a question. See, what happens to the brain is interesting uh, when, when we take a curiosity-led approach. Right. Well, we come into conflict like that, right, where there where people have competing points of view. It only takes one person to entertain the possibility that the other person might be right and then begin asking questions for now the conflict to begin to change and and becomes um, almost a. Uh, I guess almost like a brainstorming session, roughly, not exactly, but almost like a brainstorming session where people are uh, really just bouncing ideas around and coming to a consensus, right? So the, the objection that came out was, well, if this one person said it, doesn't that mean we should, because people are important and valuable, that we should at least research it and see if it's true? So what I said was, absolutely. It's worth looking into if you feel that concerned about it. However, I'll give you this analogy. If you have a battleship, all it takes is one finger with consistent pressure to push the entire ship. 
if you think of the battleship as your decision, your strategy, if you allow one person to continuously put pressure, it'll move and derail the entire strategy if you allow it. So this is part of the point that the steamroller was trying to make. But because they were stuck in ignore it and move on, it was not articulated. Right. So giving that analogy also uh, also kind of planted the seed for the perspective that the battleship, quote unquote, right, or the strategy is actually protecting the fleet. So are you going to allow one finger to push your battleship out of the way enough that uh, puts your the rest of your fleet in a vulnerable position? See, so these are the types of questions that when we really dug in, we saw that, okay, actually making a decision, committing to the decision, and having a place for people to put their feedback that you can um, deflect the feedback and actually, uh, well, I should have say deflected, but where you can capture the feedback in a way that's documented and that you can use it as data later on is going to serve the organizational strategy much better than entertaining anecdotally an email and conducting a whole study behind it and see if it's actually true. Now, what I will say, the point the heart-centered leader came out with that, that should merit some focus is at least an inquiry. Ask the question, is this true? What is the problem here? Because you don't necessarily have to take the person at their word. Right. And I'll, I'll put you guys onto some free game that I, you know, that I give my clients when you're faced with opposition like that, or well, technically it wasn't opposition kind of uh, oppositional, but not, not all the way. But when you're faced with opposition like that, the first thing you should do is start a line of inquiry with that person, not into if not into investigating if what they're saying is true, but asking the person pertinent questions to get them to think deeper and ask themselves more critical questions. For example, if um, it was related to programming, right, which in this case it was, right? So we delivered a program and uh, they had some negative feedback on it. So I would have asked them, okay, well, What's the real problem here for you? And then start probing. Okay. And what else? Okay, great. Why? What will this give you? How specifically? And what else? And what else? And continue to dig until they fully exhausted their point. Then you can round it off with, okay, well, now we understand this is the the issue from your point of view so that's a lot so what's the real problem there for you and you'll find that nine times that well maybe not nine times but like eight times out of ten right it's going to be a perception issue they were expecting something and got something else so their perception was that you did a horrible job maybe it's true maybe we did a horrible job and that's fine but that's how you handle a situation like that appropriately. And understanding the relationship between those three avatars that I told you is, is extremely helpful in this situation to provide context 
So, uh, for example, understanding who your heart-centered people are, who your balancers are, and who your uh, steamrollers are, and sucking every last bit of value out of all their feedback, and then um, allying them together behind a decision. If you do this, you're going to find that innovation comes easy. Improving culture and engagement comes easy. Improving leadership effectiveness and even your leadership brand within your business becomes easy. It's easier to be, to be more equitable in the way you make decisions and in the way you approach topics if you come at it from that perspective because now you understand. As long as you can come to a consensus and an agreement about what's really important, make a decision, stick to it, provide an avenue to capture communication, you're going to find that stalling will decrease a lot. And then use that little tip I gave you in terms of leadership when you're faced with conflict like that. Start a line of inquiry. Don't take it personal. You know, don't don't feel any kind of way about it. Just, okay, great. So what's the real problem here for you? And what else? And what else? Okay. And what else? And what would this give you? How specifically? These, these types of questions, they're going to push people to think much deeper. And you know what? They're going to answer their own question. They're going to reveal to themselves their own misalignment and misinterpretation and uh, basically their own triggers and expectations. So uh, that's it for today's podcast. Uh, So I feel good. I think this was a great launch, a great first episode. Um, So look out for more of these. We'll touch on more relevant topics as they come up. Uh, feel free to let us know what are some topics that you'd like to hear about. And uh, yeah, so with that, stay curious, my friend. Until next time. Mm-hmm.